Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Quirky Corporate Chicks podcast. We are your hosts, Dana Foster and Sherry Hayes, corporate life coaches and private practice. We focus on people who follow their passion and how their lives have been impacted. Real stories, real entrepreneurs, and lots of laughter as we look at where life has taken us. And today, we are very excited to welcome Dave Formula. Welcome, Dave. How are you? I'm okay. Hello to both of you. Hi, Dave. Hello. Hi. You're looking very cool with your shades this morning. It's, <laughs> well, it's this afternoon. It's for me, too. <laughs> um, great. Well, we are so excited to have you uh, as a guest today. Um, and let's just, let's start, just kick off a little bit with, um, you know, because you are kind of, a, uh, you're definitely an icon. Um, why don't you tell, <laughs> why don't you tell us about sort of the, the, growing up uh, in England a bit and, and what led you into the music industry? How were you feeling and, you know, what inspired you to, to take that path? Uh, well, I came from a fairly musical family. Uh, my father was a piano player in dance bands in Manchester for, you know, a lot of his life. Um, and my mum and my grandmother both sang, you know, in various situations, not in my dad, did it semi-professionally, had a, a day job as well, whereas my, my, my other folks did it just for fun. But they were very, it was very musical, so uh, my dad's brothers all could play piano. So, yeah, it was kind of growing up. It was second nature in certain respects. Um, and then uh, I started playing piano as a kid, uh, kind of like that, what it, what it gave me at school. You know, I, I used to play for concerts and stuff and played with other kids that could play guitars and stuff. This is in the early 60s. Yeah. Um, okay. <clears throat> and uh, I suppose what really, really kicked me off uh, was hearing the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Uh, and for a keyboard player, when I first heard Green Onions mm -hmm. by Booker T and the MGs, that was it. I knew I had to be an organ player for the rest of my life. Um, and yeah, after that, I quickly got on to Jimmy Smith and all the great uh, Philadelphia jazz uh, soul organists. Uh, and yeah, in 65, I got my dad to, uh, you know, do a higher purchase agreement to buy, in those days, an incredibly expensive Hammond organ uh, wow. and a Leslie speaker, which I still use. I've still got some of those down in the studio downstairs. So uh, yeah, so I got into it through initially family and then hearing records, seeing bands, British bands, uh, seeing bands like The Birds in America. Uh, yeah, a just a mixture of hearing, just crazy about listening to records. And it was a great time for music in, in the UK and America. So it was, it was like everyone else, I suppose, it, it was a huge amount of different influences and a determination mm -hmm. to be in a band myself uh, and just, pure luck you meet the right sort of people at the right age and you share influences and you make each other laugh and you get on with each other and you want to spend time together and that's how we formed our first band which was called the saint louis union see there's the oh, american wow. thing again except we didn't know it was uh, uh saint louis we used to call it the saint louis union um but uh yeah that was our first band in manchester wow that's amazing. So you, um, so going on from that, um, I, you definitely were influenced, I guess, by American music and, and that, that was a fantastic time. I'm, I, I grew up actually with my mom kind of introducing me to Spencer Davis group and all that kind of 
uh, awesome music. So um, I definitely can identify with that. Um, do, what, how did you feel about, you know, when, when you left home? Okay. Where did you, did you move out of Manchester area? Did you move? To no, London? no, I, I moved out of the family home, but I still stayed in Manchester. Okay. Um, I didn't actually leave Manchester, although I left, left, left my mum and dad's place when I was 20. Um, and just moved, just moved into another area of Manchester, uh, and didn't leave Manchester until 1979, uh, when we moved down to London with Magazine. Uh, yeah. I joined Magazine in, in late 77, uh, and we were spending so much time in London, you know, doing press and interviews and recording. We decided to move down to London. Uh, so that, yeah, that was 79. Um, so I suppose, even though I'd done a lot of touring with the St. Louis Union and with early days of magazine, so essentially you were away more than you were at home. Uh, it, I suppose the biggest break was to move down to London in 79. And that was in the height of punk. Punk New Wave, yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, yeah, for, in, in, in Manchester and London, New Wave had definitely kind of taken over, really. Uh, although, I mean, we went to, first came to uh, New York in uh, uh, 79 uh, and there was still a stronger feeling for punk and new wave, I think, in, in America than there was in, in the UK. Um, I, think, I think, you know, in a way, in some ways, punk sort of started, certainly the garage punk idea uh, definitely started earlier in America. Um, and then there was kind of like the British version of it, which started in 76. So uh, they kind of crossed over and um, lasted and changed in different time, different ways and times, I suppose. Were your parents always supportive of uh, the music or did, were you one of those kids who just enjoyed having his lessons all the time or did they have to kind of really force you to sit down and do it in the beginning? Um, it's a good question. Uh, my my father, because he, although not wasn't fully professional, had earned money from music, so he obviously realised that it was a possibility, and he was, <coughs> excuse me, quite quite relaxed really about it. Uh, whereas my mother was, because uh, by the time I was sixteen and, and leaving, I left school at sixteen, um, was saying, "Go, well, you must get a proper job. You must learn." some kind of trade so you know, for all this music <laughs> thing you know you, everyone gets it i guess either from both or one and yeah my mum was the more conservative one my dad was more liberal so i kind of went down the middle and did it anyway so uh, yeah but they were glad i mean we had this first band we kind of had some success in 66 we got in the charts and we were kind of little pop stars at 18 19 uh you know, just had one hit and that was it. And it was a, a quick decline. So I was, I was an ex pop star at 20. Um, <laughs> so it was a bit of a, bit of a road back into magazine a few years later to, to kind of really get back into music I wanted to do again. But I, I never stopped playing. I did all sorts of stuff. Worked with Jimmy Ruffin for a while, um, who used to come and tour in this country because I, I was a massive Motown fan. Oh, still me too. <laughs> Yeah, as a kid, it was a massive influence. Um, so to work with someone like Jimmy Ruffin was great. Um, so I did some interesting things in between the St. Louis Union and magazine, but yeah. So what, that must have been interesting, so young, to have, you know, like you said, kind of 
hit hit a high and then fall back down very quickly was there was there any one particular person or do you remember kind of struggling with that or you just were determined from the beginning to get back up there again and it was just no question what was that period of time like well you know you you put that uh, in a way that i can totally relate to i was completely determined to do that but i was very upset as well at the same time mm. um so i kind of well not upset upset's kind of, well i suppose at times i was upset but i found it uh quite depressing for a while i think i was quite down for a couple of years probably afterwards but the determination to do it and the love of music got me through it so it was a really in that respect a positive positive way to get to get through it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah mindset you, can be yeah really important sorry go ahead sherry oh i was just going to say so how do you measure success in your own life uh still enjoying the music as much as i did when i was 17 or 16. right on uh yeah and getting uh I'm, i think i you know i feel incredibly lucky to have done uh, had such a long career as a professional yeah and got it's lovely to have got some recognition during that course a uh, long long time it's a long time i've been doing it um and uh yeah i've never for a minute thought i won't do this anymore so yeah that's for me that's success still loving it just as much as i did 50 years ago and how do you see yourself evolving, you know, after you left, um, you know, the new wave bands, what did you, uh, what you opened a studio? Uh, well, I uh, well, for a while, I, uh, excuse me, <coughs> I, um, I ended up uh, recording and uh, co-writing uh, an album with Howard Devoto, the singer from the magazine that was called Jerky Versions of the, the Past. <laughs> uh, and we toured America again with that uh, in 1983. Um, so 82, 83. Uh, and then after, Strong Room came after that. Um, because in between all that, I was with a band called Visage. Um, yeah. Which was kind of a part-time project, but turned into a very successful uh, enterprise. And actually, I made some money from it. I, uh, so I, I invested the money I made from Visage into opening strong room and what was short it's like back in uh, 1984 a desert <laughs> uh when we talked to people yeah uh, we knew that were connected with the music business and we said what we we're going to do they said you're insane nobody nobody will come to that place people want to record either in residential studios in the countryside or in the center of london or Manchester, if you live in Manchester, but yeah. no one will come to Shoreditch, um, and how wrong they were. Yeah. Um, so, but well, I know couldn't... quite a few people that record there, so, and it's a, I think it's a beautiful studio. I used to work in the city, so it was very easy for me to walk. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, I um, I yeah, I lived in London for three years. Right. Mm. And I see that they um, so you've moved on from that, and now you have um. The sweet factory. Yeah. Is that where you're sitting now? It is. Yeah, I'm in the control room. Um, I, I, if I turn it round, I can show you a bit. <laughs> so now that's the entrance to the control room. 
Uh, I'm turning We're getting it a visual. The listeners, unfortunately, are not going to see this, but it's gorgeous. Oh, oh, you're never going to see it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I might. We we'll show some. We'll show some stills. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll stop doing that then. <laughs> what kind of um, synths do you have in there? Pardon? What kind of synths do you have in there? Uh, I, I'm going to have to look. Well, I've got I've got quite a few software synths, but I still have. Uh, do you have any analog stuff? Uh, yeah, I've got um, uh, ARP Odyssey. Uh, I've got a Mofo, uh, which is a Dave Smith analog, and then I've got things uh, hybrid things like the Blofeld, uh, which is a Waldorf synth. Uh, I've got Korg Kitar. I wow! I, I, I thought I can't have a a Kitar <laughs> until I'm really old, and then I can look totally ridiculous with it. Uh, <laughs> rather awesome. than uh, posy and ridiculous with it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I, got, we won't ask how old you are. Don't worry. You can. I don't mind. I'm 72. Oh, uh, wow! Congratulations. Rock on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got um, a mof. Um, oh, I said the mof. I've got a, 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 a moog down in the studio. Uh, I've got a Hammond, a, a, an original 1964 Hammond and Leslie. Uh, same same models recorded Green Onions on. It's only mm -hmm. taken me 50 years to get it uh, <laughs> or more. Uh, I've also got kind of cloned digital versions of B3s and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so a real, a real mixture. I've got a lovely Yamaha acoustic piano as well. Uh, I'm walking around as I'm doing this. So forgive me. I hope you can hear me still. Um, yeah, so that's the synth front. Um, yeah, and well, I... It's it's a mix. It's always been a mixture, really. Uh, starting with Hammond and piano, and then uh, in the early seventies, getting a synth, uh, and it's been a complete mixture ever since. Um, yeah, again, it's maybe it's uh, you know I was saying earlier about they're still uh, loving it just as much. I, I think it's because there is as a keyboard player, and I know everyone will say the same no matter what they play. There's just so much variety. I just love. I love sounds. I love cinema music. I love, you know, uh, uh, ambient music. There's, there's just so many things you can do with keyboards. Uh, I spend a lot of time in here, as you can imagine. What's one of the best pieces of advice that somebody gave you throughout your life? Is there like one thing where you were like, it really made a difference or you just never forgot what that person said? Uh, well, it's quite early on. They said, if you're going to go into music, don't do it for the money. Yeah. yeah I feel like that's like true of pretty or, much anything. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. And if you're lucky enough to, to do something that you love, then if you get money as well, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you so were going to give, if you were no, going to give on. a piece of advice to, uh, to some young musician what would be one piece of advice that you would give to somebody other than what you just said is there anything oh, yeah, else well, give them that anyway but um, <laughs> I, I would say, particularly now with itunes and <laughs> yeah yeah I, I would say uh well even more so today probably that is even more true than it ever was about the, doing it for love rather than money because i think in a lot of ways it's become a lot harder than it already was um but what I say is, is don't feel that you have to uh, recreate something that 
somebody's already doing. Of course, everyone's got their influences and the best bands in the world are a group of people, men or women, any combination, that are a combination of their influences. And the more influences that are shared and are different, you know, that's how you do something different. Not all thinking, this is, this is what the music we're gonna do. You know, that, I think that comes out. True, great bands, the best music comes out of those influences into reacting. So don't feel that you have to slavishly copy another existing band because they've already done it. There are some of their influences. So you be a some of your influences. And if you think that band is a big influence, well, yeah, use it, but don't try and sound like them. I, I think, I think I, that's really that's really interesting because I think it's one of those things, um, if you have the confidence to share what you have and you're not worried about somebody else copying it, that mm. you that you absorb more and you have a greater influence. But sometimes it's getting past that fear of, oh, should I share these ideas or these thoughts that I have with yeah. someone else? What if they take them from me? And, and in, inevitably that ends up actually holding you back because you're not collaborating and, and growing and building with other people. So I think that's a, that's an awesome piece of advice. Thank you. Yeah. So what do you see on the horizon coming up for you? What are you working on now? Well, just, uh, just, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, co-produced an album by a band called the wounded healers, um, who are, kind of band that I never never envisaged working with because they're very influenced by early 70s uh, bands such as uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash and, uh, and The Birds again and uh, um, Fleetwood Mac. Lots of harmonies, um, yeah. really, really sweet songs. But I loved, I loved co-producing it and engineering it and mixing it for them because it was quite different and, and I got a lot from that um, because it's an area of music that I've not really been involved with. It's it, the bands I've been in and uh, I've always really just been one singer with a bit of backing vocals uh, and to work with a band that's got really close clever harmonies I found really exciting uh, and I love mixing them and balancing the voices and getting them sounding great. Uh, and it, it was interesting because uh, the, there's a, the main singer, I suppose, the front person is called Charlie. It's a, a young woman. And the, the other two guys, one's from where I live now in Lincolnshire, uh, but the other guy is from Ohio. So um, he, now, he now lives here uh, and is in a relationship with Charlie, the singer. But he, he's got that very American approach. I think he does quite a lot of the arranging of the harmonies. And I found that really great to work with. And the album sounds great. It really, I'm very pleased with what I did on it. And I was pleased to work with them because it was so good. Oh, well, we're glad you like Americans. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, I, 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 the first time we went to America in 79, because it had been so much part of my life through cinema and television and, yeah. and music. It was so exciting. In fact, for all of magazine, every day, because we drove everywhere. We are there nearly, I think, two and a half months. And we just drove coast to coast, north to south. And we didn't get any planes apart from across the Atlantic. And it was, every day was an adventure. It was one of the best periods of my life, I think. Oh.
Great. Well, I think we're going to wrap up now. Yeah. Um, But is Dana, do you have any uh, last question? Dana, Dana asked the very, um, the ice kind of the end funky question. (laughs) I know exactly. I was, I'm a big fan of hats and I actually want to know who makes your hat. Uh, it's an it's an American hat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I bought it ages ago uh, in London on um, on Dean Street. Uh, it's a bally hat. I think it's called a bally hat. Hold on, let me have a look. Hold on. <laughs> I'm a big fan of uh, the Gordon brothers. <laughs> okay. Dean Street in Soho. Bailey. Sorry, it's a Bailey. It's oh, it's a Bailey's hat. Yeah. There you go. What do you know? (laughs) There you go. There you go. Well, it has been a pleasure having you. We really appreciate your time. I'm glad we could do it. Yeah, it's been, um, yeah, such an honor. And hearing from such a legend like you and and the past. And uh, I'd love to talk music with you sometime offline. (laughs) Anytime, yeah. Just let me know. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dave. And, And goodbye to you two. Thanks a lot. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.